Just press say hello. Oh, hello. <laughs> Welcome to the Circle of Dads, the space for sharing stories about the struggles and triumphs of fatherhood and learning to become better men. Welcome to the Circle of Dads podcast. I'm here with Brian Mulhall. I was going to give you an introduction. Why don't you introduce yourself? Let me introduce myself. Uh, grew up in Chicago, moved here to Fort Worth, uh, 2005. Uh, started a like a sports medicine-y chiropractic office back then, and just been really churning on that pretty much ever since. Uh, cranked out two little boys, and just trying to... <laughs> The practice was like our first baby, and then the two boys uh, came after that and made the whole thing that much more interesting for the most part. Time constraints? Yeah, we were really lucky in that when my wife, Lori, she started the practice with me. So when we, when we started the practice, it we did it in another doctor's office. We rented some space, got everything going. And she had no idea what she was doing. I barely knew how to treat patients at the time. So we just kind of figured it out together as time went by. Yeah. And when we started the practice and moved to our own office, we were so slow. We would see one person a day. And Lori would literally, while I'm seeing that one person, because it was so quiet and scary in the office, she would walk around and call on the other line to make the phone ring and then walk around and bring other patients into some of the other offices, acting as though she's moving other people, and like, oh, they'll be right with you, and stuff like that, just to make it not spooky, quiet. Dr. Mulhall's so busy this morning. Yes. He'll be in yeah. Just yeah. It's, yeah. So that, that, that's just kind of how we got everything going at the beginning. And then uh, once we started having kids, Lori started to kind of bow out of the practice, and now she's stayed home and homeschooling the boys and the whole spiel. You homeschool? Yes. How's that? What, it, what made you decide to do that? And uh, it, I would like to say I had it was like this big decision, but we kind of fell into it. And when I say we, I'm very loosely involved. In all honesty, <laughs> um, I happen to hear all the stories of what all the work that Lori does amazingly throughout the uh, time. But Finn, he was like a summer birthday. Um, so as he was getting older, we saw started thinking about how he's going to get into school. And if he has any all of my genes, he won't hit uh, puberty until he's like you know twenty nine or something. So I was like, we got to hold him back seven like, eight years as long as humanly possible, just to give him a freaking fighting chance. So we were going to hold him back before he started uh, going to regular school. And she just ended up having this one extra year after preschool, and she just kind of asked me, she goes, well, I feel weird not doing anything. Would you be against me trying, like, homeschool stuff? Like, I was going to investigate some different pro- uh, curriculums, and she found one that she loved, and she just tried it out one year. And she kind of fell in love with it. She loved doing it. And Finn, my oldest, he didn't know any difference. He's just, he thought it was great just doing stuff with mom. And... Lori just kind of got hooked, and like still to this day, she she's so sweet. She thanks me all the time. She's like, "Just thank you for letting me do this. this. Is the best thing I've ever done in my life. It's 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 really it's amazing. It's just really cool watching her put her time and efforts into it. And it's so surreal because we'll be doing something, and I'll watch my kid, and he'll read like something out loud to us, and I'll just turn to her and I'll be like, "You did that." 
like not only did you make that person sitting there, but then you taught them all of that information. No one else did that. That is totally you all there. It's just surreal. Like I'm so peripherally involved in the whole thing, but it's just so, it's really an, an amazing thing to kind of watch her kind of get into and, and, and fall in love with. So she's, it's funny with homeschool. I, I joke all the time with Lori that we're turning into the people that I always made fun of most of my life. You know, like the homeschool, uh, all we have is Netflix. We don't even have like cable TV for crying out loud. It's just same here. Yeah. I mean, it's, we, it's, we're these weird people, but we're them now. And whenever you think of, I'll tell people end up hearing that we homeschool and they're immediately, they have these faces, (laughs) like all these different weird faces and they go like a concern and Ooh, and ah, and then they usually are going to ask if the kids are being socialized like they do, and I usually have to say some long lines of, they're not dressed as pilgrims and chained in the basement. Like, they're, we do bring them out periodically for sun and some, you know, interaction with, you know, one or two selective people a year. But, I mean, they're, it's that's usually the thing. People are worried very heavily about their ability to be socialized. But, I mean, if they're my kids, they're going to be awkward and weird anyway. So, I mean, it's, it's really, it doesn't add too much to it. As far as I as I can tell at this point, <laughs> I want to keep track of how many yeah. how many um, self deprecating comments come across. Yeah, that's uh, it's just my thing. <laughs> Marty and I have the over under. Uh, it'll be a lot. Okay, I'm uh, glad so, I picked the over. Uh, no, I'll put it. I'll I'll, I'll help. I'm, I'm going to put in a bid as much. <laughs> <laughs> so you, uh, how old are they? Uh, Finn is nine and Kale is seven. They're both in jujitsu, aren't they? They have been doing jujitsu the past three years, and then... So that's their social hour. Yes. What an interesting... Yes. <laughs> it's one of, yes. But you know the way that they're going to navigate through the world with a completely mm-hmm. different set of boundaries? Yes. Because, like, my daughter mm-hmm. and her... Uh, well, in public school, you know, bullying is the big thing. Sure. Even taking up for yourself is considered bullying. Yeah. yeah it's, so it's if, you reaching find, if someone, you know... I don't, I'm not going to use that word, but if somebody like does something that offends you mm-hmm. or physically attacks you, you have to go find help. And so I'm constantly telling my daughter, I'm like, no, you, you defend yourself. Yes. And then when you're sitting in the principal's office and they're drilling you with questions, you just say, call my dad. Done. Yes. Call my dad. Don't say anything else. I want to speak to my dad. And when you get older, it'll be, I want to speak to my lawyer. <laughs> but she... What I think is you teach these kids this from such a young age that in the event of an issue when they get older, say, I don't know, a woman's walking down the street and somebody yanks at her purse. Mm -hmm. If she freezes and starts looking around for help and there's nobody there, well, then she's screwed. Right. You know, I mean, she doesn't have that innate uh, response defense mechanism. Mm -hmm. Like it's the freeze. So I think it's cool that your kids are going to have the... um, the response to choke them out. They're the the Gracies have this bullyproof thing, but they we didn't ever ever get into it. We did it just a little bit, but they have like these rules of engagement or something like that that I think I thought were really good. And I kind of went over them with the boys, and that's kind of always been our little guidelines: is that if someone's being rude or mean, first thing is ask them to stop. If they don't stop, find a teacher or a parent. If they don't stop, take them down. And those are the rules: you can't punch, you can't kick. You just take them down, hold them down until someone comes and breaks it up. 
but that's been our rule. And I tell them all the time, like, you might get in trouble at school or if you're at a function, you're at a party or at the park, wherever. I don't care. Don't worry about it once you come home if you follow the rules. If you follow those rules, we're good to go. If I hear that you punched him, if I hear that you didn't follow those steps that led to you taking him down, we're going to have a major problem. I go, but just as long as you follow the rules, you're going to be good to go. And that way their response is just, it, they've worked on it a few times and it's, it's, it works. It's really cool. They just immediately take the kid, <laughs> just immediately take the kid down. And it's surprising how few people understand any of the basics of like grappling in any way. And the, the other person is just completely overwhelmed and they just kind of put them in a backpack or just take their back and just hold them there until someone breaks up. It's pretty cool. I heard the analogy. It's like being drugged down into, um, being drugged down into the water by a shark. Like once you're in there, you're, you're just fucked. There's nothing you can do about it. it. It's really, it's surprising. We were, I was wrestling with the boys and, uh, every night we fight. So I'll stand next to the bed. The two boys are standing on the bed and they just attack me. They just go right at it and I grab them and throw them. And we just have done it for years and years. And this one year after the uh, my oldest had been doing jujitsu for a bit. The younger one was starting to fall off the bed, so I went to dive to kind of grab him. And as I'm diving, I put my hand up, like out in front of me, to push the bigger one back because I see him coming at the same time. While I'm holding my arm out in, in toward his chest, so he immediately jumped up, did a flying armbar, like wrapped up my arm, pulled it back, started raising his hips. I feel my elbow pop, and I need my hands, <laughs> so I immediately, I freaked out and i'm like i started screaming no 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 tap 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 and i'm slapping him on the back he finally lets go i'm like i didn't know we had to go over this no arm bars on dad you are not allowed to do any of those things i go just you i need my hands this is how you're gonna go to college no submissions on me is that is that fair and he's like, yeah, I'm sorry. I was like, man, that's it. This is, this is it. Sorry, Dad. I just race car in the red, man. <laughs> Shit got hot. I got excited. What can I say? <laughs> I remember when I was like, it took me till I was 15 till I beat my dad at like one-on-one, like in basketball, because we would play on, on our driveway all the time. And he would crush me. He would never let me win anything. So when I finally beat him, he was mad. He, like, he didn't talk to me for like two or three days. He was mad because I took over the reins. And it's, I was just sitting there thinking about it later that night. I'm like, my kid tapped me out. He's like seven years old. I, it's, it, it's, it's a whole new era. It was, it was a little sad. I was, was kind of just... Well, his little brother distracted you. That's kind of a bullshit move. See, you know, I mean, I kept resting on that, but there was no one in there for me to kind of just really review things with, so I just kept doing it in my head over and over again. But I, I just, I still kind of shake him real hard every once in a while. Just let him know who's in charge. Just a little. Yeah. Till <laughs> <laughs> their teeth click. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, you just gotta, you gotta show the hierarchy. Were you and your dad pretty close? Yeah. Oh yeah. Real close. Uh, he passed in February about a, about a year or two ago now. But yeah, he's, he was a great guy. Uh, he... You could just tell he kept trying to do better than his dad did. He did his dad was like, he drank, uh, abusive. He, he ended up kicking my dad out. He was the youngest of a big Irish family. So my dad, you could tell it hurt him, but at the time when I was younger, I couldn't really tell what he was talking about. But he would talk frequently about when he got kicked out of the house when he was like 16 or 17. Yeah. He just came home late one night and the door was locked. And his dad was there and he goes, no, you don't live here anymore. And 
and that was it. So, yeah. So I think he still was kind of aloof with me to a degree a little bit. He was very, he was loving, but he didn't know how to really do it very well. You know what I mean? So it was, it was, we had odd interactions. I remember uh, we were playing football out in the street and I, I tripped and I, my thumb got cranked back so I could feel it like hit my wrist. Mm-hmm. I was more scared than anything, but I was just crying. Of course, it's embarrassing because everyone else is on the block there. And I could tell that he was embarrassed of me crying, like while I'm crying. But I kept looking at him. I'm waiting for him to just be like, are you okay? And he's just standing there looking at me. (laughs) And it's just like, oh, okay, this is one of the things. He just doesn't, it's not in there. It's like, all right, I got that. So I think he is exponentially better than his dad. So I think that's just kind of what we all do is that, I kind of then look at those little things that he was kind of missing that he had probably had no idea that he was missing. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try and fill it in. But I'm sure there's plenty that both you and I are missing over time. And then our kids hopefully are going to try and do even better than that. So, you know, I can relate to that a lot. Um, so Abby would, uh, if Abby hurt herself, mm-hmm. I'd get mad. It was a strange thing. Like, mm-hmm. um, not like you're pathetic or, you know, mm-hmm. how dare you trip? Mm-hmm. Or you're so weak. Um, it was just like the, my instant reaction was rage. So I remember being in Home Depot one time and I'm, I'm buying something for work and, and uh, Abby's running around just being, I mean, just being a complete knucklehead. She was eight mm-hmm. and just like running circles. And she was looking at me running by and there was kind of this display that had sharp edges on it. And it was, I don't think it was metal. I think it was all like cardboard, but it was sharp. You sure. Know? And, and then it was, um, it was secured with something. Mm-hmm. So she just ran right into it, hit her in the side of the face. And then she goes down and just starts crying. And I remember looking at her like, what the fuck? You know, like, <laughs> why'd you do that? Right. Like she had a choice, you know? Mm-hmm. And dude, that stuff like just would rot my soul, you know, not knowing why I couldn't be like loving and compassionate to her because while I was looking at her, it was almost like an out of body thing where I'm looking at me, looking at her, like quit being a dick, help her. Yeah. But I just couldn't make that move. Like I couldn't just dive down there and I didn't have that nurturing instinct. Um, it took, it took quite a while. I mean, I finally had to like, you know, go see somebody and sort through all the bullshit of my past and my childhood and start swimming through all that. And that was fun. But now, you know, it's like I can, my, my initial reaction is to help her. Right. And then, you know, I'm sure other kids have heard this or other people have heard this and stuff, but, um, uh, Brene Brown talks about it and about, I think that's who talks about this, but, uh, kind of like our feelings are our first uh, guidance system, right? Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't matter if it's a reality. It's sure. our feelings. You know, like if, if, if you say you're hot, I'm like, it's not hot in here. Well, I don't give a shit what it's like. I'm hot, you know, like right. tell me how I feel. Right. So like I'd grow up when I was growing up, you fall down and, and, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're beat up and it's like, get up. You're not hurt. Well, I don't No, I am it fucking mm-hmm. hurts. Right. So I think about that stuff now and it's like, yeah, I mean, I don't want to just turn her into someone that every time she stubs her toe, she's just a sure just losing her shit. But you know, to validate, hey man, I bet that hurt. What do you want to do about that? You want to get up? You want to sit here? You want to cry? You know. And so, oh yeah, 
started doing that and realizing I didn't have that when I was growing up, it kind of like you start putting pieces together. Like, oh, no shit. Well, that's why. That's why I'm an asshole. Well, yeah. With that particular subject. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of uh, What I've noticed is that I forgot where Lori even picked this up, but when the kids would fall and get hurt really bad, they, you know, they immediately go ballistic. What we started doing is we would ask them, are you scared or are you hurt? Oh. And surpri- way more than I ever would have thought, they know that they're scared. And they'll, sure. they'll say scared. And I'm like, that totally makes sense. Not a problem, buddy. It's okay to be scared. That was scary. That totally came out of nowhere. I go, come on up. I go, I'll kind of grab them just for a second. I'm like, just breathe. Everything's okay. Just take it easy. And then they immediately, because they acknowledge, even just saying it out loud, it's like something clicks in their head and they tend to calm down way faster. What a cool thing because, yeah. I mean, when they get older, they can internalize that mm-hmm. shit. You know, they, something happens and instead of freaking out, they're mm-hmm. like, oh man, I know what this feels like. I'm I've, not hurt. I've done it a few times <laughs> with myself. Like I'll, I'll crack on something. I won't cry, but I'm like, okay, wait, did I, did I just totally crush my hand into pieces or am I just freaked out about the idea of my hand being crushed? And it's like, okay, hold on. I'm like, oh, all right. Yeah, no, I'm good. And it's, it's amazing how the brain will so drastically affect what you physically can even feel. Like, and that's even just in the practice, we've been really changing a lot of how we educate the patients as we're learning more about the, they call them the pain sciences. It's these new emerging pieces of, of research, just better understanding that pain isn't necessarily input that you get from the body. Pain is an output from your brain. Mm-hmm. So some of the information takes from, you know, what it gets from the body itself, but then it also puts it like a large percentage of context into that to decide then how much pain to then produce an output. So it's it, just giving patients that thing that what you feel might not actually be all structural issues. It might be a little bit of a certain percentage of it is probably anxiety or fear of future impairment, fear of future problems, fear of you possibly you know not being able to complete your work tasks and keep your occupation going in the same trajectory you wanted it to. And just letting them know that, that their anxiety over this thing will actually pile onto this issue of 30 to 40% they then can start to get a better understanding of it and start to diminish that just from that whole side of the whole thing. And it's, it's, it's then I try and then take that and I try and put it to the kids as they're getting older. And I'm like, is this a reality thing or is this more in your head right now? So I keep trying to flip them back on that all the time to see how much of what goes on even throughout your day is more between your ears than really what's happening around you. You know, that's interesting because with, uh, with Abby, you know, I struggle with, <laughs> she doesn't like to do anything that hurts, mm-hmm. you know, she yeah. doesn't like to do anything she's not good at and she doesn't like to do anything that hurts. I'm like, <laughs> well, uh, you might want to get over that. You right. Know, yeah. It's going to be an uneventful life. Right. Yeah. But, uh, you know, running and she's super fast and super athletic, mm-hmm. but until it starts to hurt, mm-hmm. she's done, mm-hmm. but we'll go do things. We'll work out together. I'll try to take her. And it's like it used to, I would just take her kind of how I would do with anybody else. Like, no, we're just, it's going to suck and we're going to get through it. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side, you'll be like, Hey, I'm not dead. And so next (laughs) time you can do it, you know, you'll know. Right. Apparently that doesn't work with like a nine, 10, 11 year old girl. It's just not, it's not in there. It's not the best way to go about it because what happens is they're like, fuck you, dad. I'm never doing that again. Yeah. Which has been the case several times. So like, I have to do it like very slowly. Mm-hmm. Like, see, you didn't die. You want to go a little further? <laughs> see, 
but you're not dead. And But teaching her the difference between like your body throwing a fit mm-hmm. or your mind just kind of telling your body to throw a fit, mm-hmm. like it's like your body's going to go on and on and on. It's right. your mind that's going to give up. Yeah, totally. Like the the like the best endurance athletes all say that like if you can just get out of your head the the body will just keep going yeah, a lot of the endurance athletics honestly is a test of their ability to sustain and push through discomfort it mm-hmm. isn't even really the physical test it's more the mental test of how you can partition and s- subdue that pain stimulus that you are getting because of the damage you're you're creating in your body you go run 135 miles, it's not honestly a productive thing. You're not going to be better on the other side of it. It's more of a test of all of the previous training you've done to get to that point. Yeah. And that, oh yeah, it's a lot between the ears, way more than people think. So what made you move down from Chicago? Uh, uh, pretty blonde is pretty much That's all you thing. needed? Yep. Nope. Not even like, hey, you're going to go down here and there's going to be a practice? No. we got a lot of athletes down no. here. No. Just, no. She just said, hey, you want to go to Texas? She's way cooler about it than that. She she went to TCU, uh, lived, born and raised here in Fort Worth. Then on a whim, as soon as she f- finished TCU, all of her friends are getting married, you know, like you're supposed to West Fort Worth thing. Then she just moved to Chicago on a whim. She just wanted to try something different. So she'd been there once before just visiting for like a weekend. And she just went, moved there got a temp agency job somewhere and just kind of was there for years and years. And that's where I met her. Yada, yada. Here I am. Where'd y'all meet? It was random happenstance. Uh, She was working with a guy that was in my fraternity in college. And then another guy that I was in the fraternity with hurt his shoulder playing softball this one night. So they both roomed together the two guys from my old fraternity. So they called me. I'd never been to their apartment, but they were a few blocks away in downtown Chicago. And they said, hey, Matt hurt his shoulder. Can you come over and take a peek at it? And honestly, I was in school. I had no idea. I knew the anatomy of it, but they didn't get into treat. They didn't know how to treat anything yet. So I'm like, sure, I guess. I mean, I guess I know more than they do. Might as well give it a shot. So I went there and... I'm sitting on the floor and I'm evaluating my friend Matt's shoulder. And then Lori comes in with uh, her friend to drop off cookies to thank the guys that were living there to, cause they drove them back, you know, through some snow or a snowstorm or something. And I didn't even talk with her. In all honesty, I was just sitting there. Then I was feeling like an idiot. Cause I'm sitting on the floor rubbing this guy's shoulder, not knowing what I'm doing. And I see pretty blonde over in the corner and like, oh, oh, there it is. Okay. And then that night, he ended up calling me. He goes, you know that girl that came over? She's having a party tonight. She asked if I would bring my chiropractor friend. I was like, yeah, that's right. Me. Mm-hmm. That's right. So she wanted me to come, so I went and I started talking with her that, that night at the party. And she didn't like me at all. No? Like, we turned into, like, I immediately got thrown into the friend zone. That makes sense. Yes. So we were like, we ended up, I liked her a lot, but honestly, I wasn't ready to kind of date seriously just yet because I got out of a, another serious relationship. So you jumped in the friend zone. Let's be clear. You didn't get thrown. You stepped in. Did she push I, you I, in the I, friend I, zone or I, did you like, I'm more oh, or less, go I, was, I kind of shrugged as I walked into the friend womp, zone. I'm like, womp. yes. I'm like, oh, I guess this makes sense. I should probably be here for right now. And just shoulder slumped. Yes. Just go over there. And then, but then we would, it's that really annoying kind of like 
tweenager movie type thing to where like she would go date somebody that night I would be on a date with somebody and then we end up I'd call her like after the date and we'd compare notes about how bad our dates were like that really annoying thing after a while and then I just broke her down I just I'm like we should date and she didn't want to date me because we were too similar she said there's no drama she goes well we agree on most things it wouldn't it's not interesting she goes what are we She's not used to not having these huge major drama problems. And I said, well, it kind of sounds like it could be a good thing, maybe. So eventually she she broke down. I'm like, date me. Let's do this. <laughs> you wore her down? Yep. And just like a horse just broke her. So y'all were talking about years. how horrible the dates were. Mm-hmm. And then you'd get off the phone and watch Dawson's Creek and <laughs> yes. cry. Mm-hmm. And mope. Why would she love me? Yeah. No, I just kept hacking Fun at it pacing. and she gave up. Stalking works every once in a while. Yeah. Marty stalked me. That's how we started dating. Really? Oh yeah, she, she, she uh, chased after me. That has to feel good. That feels amazing. Yeah, doesn't it? I hadn't quite figured it out. Uh huh. Lori, see, Lori still this, to this day she'll say, "Well, I knew that I was going to marry you, so that's why I didn't want to start dating you just yet." Oh. Because I was willing ready to get married. Yes, thank you. That's the face. Boy, that's yeah. some, I don't buy it. That's some stuff you could take. I'm like, really? Because I've spent some time thinking about that <laughs> statement, and I have some questions. There's some angles I'd like to go over. What does that mean exactly? Uh, Is that because you want to do some mm-hmm, other shit? Mm-hmm. Yes. She wanted to sow her, sow her oats, evidently. But next thing you know, we started, we started dating. Everything's going great. Start talking about marriage. And I was going to start my own practice and she always would, at the end of any of our conversations about how we would start and move on with our lives, once we're married, she'd always kind of put in, well, and also, you know, we could, could move to Fort Worth where my family is, and you know, we kind of live there. And it's just real nice and in the background, but she said it so many times that I'm like, I'm assuming we're probably going to end up, it sounds like we're going to end up at, in Fort Worth, right? And she goes, well, it'd be great, you know, having backup for the kids and everything and that. I'm like, well, if we're going to do that, let's just do that now. Like, let's not start a were practice. Mar- were you married at that time? Not yet. Were you dating at that time? Mm-hmm. Okay. So we were, uh, I was just trying to think. It's like, well, I don't want to start a practice in Chicago, get that going, then start all over again in Fort Worth. So in 2005, we uh, got, we moved in March, got married in April, and started the practice in May. And just kind of went from there. How was it starting a business with your wife? This is one of the positives of our relationship in that it's great. It's, it was yeah. the best. I would never want to do it another way because the way that Lori and I work is that we have a way better relationship when we're with each other more. Mm-hmm. Like the more that I'm with her, the better and the more synced up that we get. If I don't see her much, then we kind of start to drift a little bit. Like it's hard for us to be apart a lot. So when we were working together, it was awesome. It was great. And plus then it's, there's like a common enemy because I think that it would have been way harder on our relationship if I was starting this practice and then she was like a paralegal in some other office. Right. You know what I mean? Because it was, it's a 24-hour-a-day gig to yeah. where you're figuring out all the insurance billings. We were in insurance at the time how to do insurance and then I have to go and work these races this weekend I have to go and grab the so just understanding that even though we don't want to this is my life right now I'm doing everything I can just to let people understand what we do how we're different building that business and understand it's it it was infinitely difficult but her being there with me 
she understood it. So there wasn't this additional strife, which was, I don't think we, we could have made it any other way. It was great. You know, I don't think, I don't think people realize how much shit you had to give away time wise. Oh yeah. Free services. I mean, you started this deal with a, with a mound of student debt, right? And then, and then just one patient at a time. Yeah. It's, it's, we kind of started the practice with an idea of we want to fix people and address their musculoskeletal issues in as few visits as is humanly possible and show them how to take care of it so they don't ever have to come back in the future. And as a business, business model, that doesn't sound like a great business model. Especially not for a chiropractor. No, not at all. So what we ended, <laughs> what we ended up doing... I remember when we went to the bank and we got the, the student loan, like she did not know what I was talking about. She was, this does not sound like a good business model. I go, no, I agree on the outside, but the idea is that if someone comes to a center for treatment and they get treatment for 20 visits, 30 visits, and they're better, well, of course they better be better. They've been there forever. No one's super happy or thrilled with the service. If you go somewhere and you get your problem addressed in three or four visits, well, that's unique. And then if you have a future problem, you'll probably call them up again in the future. You'll tell your friends and family about it because, hey. And then the other thing that we would do is if we didn't get change in about two visits, we refer them out. We send them to someone else that we think will do a better job or whatever they might need. So surprisingly, we get lots of referrals from people we don't even help. We never even fix them. That's so unique because anytime I, anytime I ever hear anybody have anything, mm-hmm. you got to go see Mahal. Because I mean, your direct pay—you don't have to. It's—it's mm-hmm. it's not like a. Um, another friend of mine, Darren Deaton, has Riata. Yeah, he's great. Therapy solution, and the guy's brilliant. Yes. You know? but he's—it's—it's um, it's like a workman's comp, and oh uh, yeah, it, it's uh, the whole insurance it, model, right? It's, so you being direct pay um, is how I found you. Sure. But anybody that'll listen, if it's not work related, I'm like, you gotta go see Mohal. Sure. Hey, I'm thinking about, man, I think I gotta have surgery on my shoulder. Why don't you go see this guy first? See if it's not, you know, Mm -hmm. because you sit too much or whatever. I mean, just some random shit. I mean, the the stuff that you've helped me with is, is ridiculous. I mean, that's, um, but what, what gets me is, is the, how it's uh, based on kind of a heart of service, you know, like you're not just there to just kind of get as many many people in as you can and no, no, and no, no, get no. them locked into the 80 payment or the 80 right. visit plan right but it's i mean you've told me multiple times hey man if we can't do it in three there's no reason to even trying yeah i i think of every patient like a puzzle and i love puzzles so if i can't figure it out i get angry and mad and if, i felt that before <laughs> like literally yeah like like uh I'll get really frustrated. So then if we see that whatever our tools are, aren't getting anywhere, just from doing this for so long, I can kind of figure out other good approaches and I'll go shuffle you off to go that. And I don't, it doesn't really matter who fixes them as long as they just get better. And if like with the other docs that we have at the practice, if we all as a group just have that as a overriding theme, it just, it's way more fun. I mean, it isn't stressful. If people aren't getting better, I'm sorry, that's awful. Uh, we're, we're trying everything that we can. If this isn't getting anywhere, well, let's figure this out. Okay, well, let's also, here's some other options. Go see this person, go try that, go try that. Is there anyone that you think that you have any questions about? Well, that one I'm thinking about. Well, okay, well, let's talk that out a little bit. Definitely, here's their number. Give them a call if they need anything from us that we can do to help speed up that process for you. Just let us know and just kind of get them moving down in the right direction. So, 
you obviously have a, a compassionate heart. You know, I mean, you you have a heart of service because that's how you mm-hmm. modeled your whole business. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it um, it made it was a much more difficult road. It's funny. Patients ask me a lot. It's I love my job. I literally love my job. The only hard part of my job is the first the first minute of the first patient is just I'll get a little instant message on my computer that so and so's here and me just kind of sitting there for a second and kind of taking a breath it's like oh, okay so once I get started for the day I'm just back to back until you know I come up for air at noon or 1 so it's like that first bit of me getting up out of the chair that's the hardest part <laughs> but as soon as I get up out of the chair I love it I love the whole thing but they usually are going to ask me they go, sometimes patients go, man, you must love your job. You know, it just has to feel so good to know that you help people. And I always say, yeah, not so much. You know, it, it, <laughs> I mean, I love what I do, but I never think of it like that. You have to be a psychopath to sit there and just stew in the idea that you're helping so many people. That's weird. Like, I always just think about the people who aren't getting better. If I help someone, of course I help. That's my job. That's why they came here. It shouldn't be astounding that I got them better. That's that's what I'm supposed to be doing for God's sake all this all this time. So you think if somebody's doing something that makes them feel like they're helping people, they're a psychopath? <laughs> well, I mean, you know who sits like- there and just sits there and like marinates on it. It's like, man, I help a lot of people today. Ugh. I, I am just such a great guy helping so many people feeling Clearly so much better. Has, that's weird. It's just that's weird to me. As fuck. That's it. Oh, I can't. I can't have do it. It makes me uncomfortable. You, have you ever had anybody tell you how humble they are? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you just look at. Uh-huh. I was told humility is like veneer. Wait, humility is like VD. You can have it, but you just don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like having a high tolerance for pain. In my job, if you tell me you have a high tolerance for pain, I know you don't have a high tolerance for pain. Because people with a high tolerance for pain don't think of their pain. They don't talk about it. So it's just when people tell me they have a high tolerance for pain, it's their code word for saying, this is a big deal. Please really do your best for this. And I'm, I'm with I'm like, okay, I totally get it. I understand. No, you're here. That's a big deal. I understand you have a high tolerance for pain and you're still here, uh, loud and clear. Does that make you want to hurt him more? <laughs> no. Because <laughs> it wouldn't be. I, it's, it makes me want to give him a hug. It sounds funny. I just, I'm like, oh, come here. And I'm like, nah, come on. <laughs> you know, I've had you work on parts of me before that have made uh-huh. me squeal, and I've heard you giggle. A little I bit, yeah. I laugh a little bit. I laugh a little bit. It isn't, I hate the fact that. I wish there were a nicer way to get the work done sometimes. I think you're a liar. I like the end product, though. I don't oh. like the road there. I've, I've run the experiment so many times, I know we're a high, high probability going to end up in a happy end product. So just kind of hang on, and, and we'll get there together. Just don't die. Please. That would be bad. Are you that way with your kids? I know this hurts really bad, buddy. <laughs> no. Maybe that was uh, a yes, Maybe that was a, a little bit. Question. That was a creepy question. I didn't no, like with the with when they have aches and pains, they they come to me and they crack me up because like my younger one was pretty sure that he had a fractured patella just the other day. Not the patella. Yeah, the patella. Yeah, yeah. My patella. He came in walking in. And he goes, "I hate to tell you, I'm pretty sure I broke my patella." I'm like, first, I love that you use the word patella. That makes me swell with pride, but. The fact you're walking in here, you didn't break your patella, but I'm sure it's really bad, so lay down, and I'll just 
fiddle around and work on it a little bit, and they always get up in their better. So when Abby hurts herself, I feel like I've had you mash on me enough times that I just mash on her. Perfect. And it's like... It saves me the trouble. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Mm-hmm. Um, she will not let me anywhere near. Will not. My, my wife, she, Lori, will, not, will barely let me work on it. Marty loves it. She's like, no, I need you. I need your That's monkey awesome. fist. Come, give me, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. get in there. And, uh-huh. um, Abby's like, no, not having it. I'm like, well, then you need to roll out your calves. She'd walk. She showed up the other day with a knee brace on. Uh huh. Like, what the fuck is that? How did you hurt yourself playing mine, Minecraft? <laughs> <laughs> it's cross-legged for six hours. You know, that's, yeah. that's a lot and of strain on the lateral collateral leg. Then, you know, I noticed that she had a... She's the kid that if she's watching a show and the kid has crutches in the show, all of a sudden she needs crutches. Yes. I can't tell you how much money that's cost me in, uh-huh. in medical equipment and uh, ER visits. Just And she's an amazing actor, apparently. Yeah. Actress. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't want to be like, you're full of shit. You know the chicken you, little. Yeah, you. The one it's time. Be, it's be the yeah, one time. the one time. Yes. Oh, now you've got a ruptured Achilles. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fucking convenient. Thank Definitely. you. Good job. <laughs> my Finn, he, my oldest, he had a rash on his cheek the other day. I'm like, I don't know about that. It's looking a little bit weird. And she goes, Brian, it's a rash. He's a child. He's surrounded by other gross kids. That's just what they're gonna get. That's what that is. It's called a rash. But jujitsu, I mean, staff. And- yeah. So I, I'm sitting there. I'm thinking. It's like. And it, then it got a little bigger, and then his eyes started to swell. Mm. And I'm like, and I put my hand against it, it was real warm, and I'm like, I think this is cellulitis. I'm a, I do, like, strained hamstrings and stuff. I'm not a dermatologist. I, rashes, rashes are as hard to diagnose as, like, fatigue. It's just, it could be nine million things. So I, I'm like, I'm bringing him in. He had a mild fever. So I brought him in. Cellulitis. Bam. Oh, oh my God. Lori's like, wow. Yeah. Like, that was a good coggle. Damn right, that was a good co- Look at me. Like, pulling shit out of my butt. It was amazing. I was so proud of myself. I was happy he had cellulitis, so was, was what I'm saying. Instead of staff. Yeah. You could have lost your eye. It, it, it can get really bad. But what caused the cellulitis? Uh, some infection. They think that he, he had some stupid scratch from our cat on his nose, and they think that it might have started there and then kind of spread over to his cheek. Do you have dogs? Yeah, yeah, dog. Dog and cats? Dog, dogs and cats living together. Hmm. Mass hysteria. It's not in harmony? No. The cat is Rock Blaster is the name of the cat. Fucking yeah. rad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My youngest, he's the emotional, strong-willed, no-joke kid, so he named our, named our cat Rock Blaster. <laughs> rock Blaster. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. <laughs> How did he, he come up with that? I don't know. He's really good at naming things randomly. Our his fish was toothpaste. He's got a he's got a whole bunch of stuff. He's very toothpaste. creative. Yes, he has. He's the one who plays drums. Yeah, and he has a band. Uh, he, <laughs> I shouldn't say. I asked him when he was really young. I'm like, what's the name of your band, buddy? Because he'll write music and scream. You like it's like a death metal thing where he just pounds while he's yes. screaming at the top of his lungs. Nice. So I said, what's the name of your band? And I could tell he hadn't thought about it at all, but right on the spot he starts sending when he goes, black mm, skin. <laughs> I go, black skin? And he goes, yeah. And I go, ooh, uh, I know where you're going with this. I know you're trying to be tough, but let's, let's put that in first draft. We'll cycle back around. We'll rethink this a little bit because there's layers 
people misinterpret in Facebook and stuff. Need some softening. A little bit. So a week later, I asked him, like, what's the name of your band? He goes, Walking Mannequins. <laughs> Hell yeah. Dude. Yeah, I know. Kid. He's good. I got him a t-shirt of it for Christmas. How old is he? Uh, seven. Is that Finn? Uh, Kale's a se- seven, Finn's nine. What do you think your best trait as a dad is? Me, my best trait. I think I, l- I listen really well. I think I listen and I try to get all the information before I then make bad decisions and fly off the handle. But I at least get all the information before I fly off the handle. Thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, here's the thing that I really... I've never had an anxiety issue in my whole life. I barely had a pulse. I'm really... I'm pretty laid back until I had kids. And then as soon as we had kids, I've always wanted boys my whole life ever thought about having kids it's like boys I'm gonna be a great boy dad I should not I should have had girls I think I would have been a better dad to girls because as soon as the boys came around they're both insane like they're just nuts they're jumping and screaming and fighting so I had this weird hibernating OSHA representative that was living inside of me and immediately I'm safety guy safety Sam oh my god I never, I hate those guys, but I immediately switched this weird recessive gene on. Lori, I actually had an argument with Lori one of the few times we argued. I wanted to carpet our kitchen because I was sure that the kids, as they were learning how to walk, were going to fall and fracture their skull on the ground. And I'm like, we'll get some cheap carpet with some thick padding. We'll get gross stuff on it, but who cares? In a year, we'll pull it all up. Bingo, bango, no fractured skulls. Everybody lives, Lori. This is what I'm talking about. It, that it did not happen. No carpet was was had in our, in our in our house at all. But so yeah. I I see the the strangest things hmm. like uh, you know those. Uh, so Abby and her mom they lived over on the other side of Lake Worth, mm-hmm. right? Um, or Eagle Mountain that they have to go over the bridge and. I was thinking, they're going to be driving over that bridge, and it's going to be icy. And they're going to go over the side. And neither one of them know how to get out of a car when it's in water. Yes. So Abby and I had drills. <laughs> yes. And I showed her how to do it. Yep. We have drills about all kinds of things. You know, I mean, obviously there's a lot of bad shit that happens in the world, and you want your child to be prepared. Mm-hmm. Not to get into any of that, but we have drills for that stuff too. But the, Sure. Um, but so, I, you know those little hammers? Uh, yes. The blaze orange with, yes. the, with the breaker. And One in each of our cars. It, so I sent some. I sent two to my ex's house. Uh-huh. And um, I texted her and I said, hey, some shit's going to show up from Amazon. I want you to put it in your car, and, in Justin, her husband's car. Mm-hmm. She's like, all right. She didn't put it in the car. What? Yeah, so, and I explained to her. And I explained to Abby, and I was like, look, okay, here it is. And I showed her some videos, and I'm like, this is how you do Mythbusters. it. Mythbusters. Yeah, this is what you... That, yes. This, the, the hook right here for the mm-hmm. seatbelt, that's what you do. Because mm-hmm. you're too young to carry a knife, mm-hmm. so this is how you're going to have to get it. And, mm-hmm. you know, if your mom's being stubborn and wants to die in the water, that's fine. Let her do her own thing, because she, cause we respect our elders and don't tell her what to do. <laughs> but here's what you do. So months go by. Sure. And after I've spent days thinking about how helpful I was to her uh-huh. thinking of all the people I help uh-huh. um, 
I walk into their garage to drop Abby off. You know what was sitting right there? Just, I think she left them out. Just to, just to show, just to, just to let you know it's not there. Just, they weren't even opened. I almost took, you know, I almost took them, but then I thought, no, because then they might not be able to put in their car. <laughs> There's nothing worse than not being prepared than being almost prepared and not taking that last step. Like, that's crazy to me. How many times have you heard someone say, oh, man, I had so-and-so at yeah. the house. I've got, don't do this any damn good now. Yeah. Uh, at, Marty's got this, my poor wife. So when we first started dating, uh-huh. she had this purse, and uh, I thought she was a pill addict when we first started mating. Uh, date, mating. mating. <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I mated my wife, uh-huh. my girlfriend. Um, but her purse would like... Just from all the stuff in it. And it rattled. But at that time, it was like nerds and hard candy. Gotcha. She's got a sweet tooth. There you go. We started replacing all those. Not to replace them, but just like, hey, you you know what you need in here? You need a a knife. So I'd buy her a knife. Uh Uh-huh. I was like, "Uh, you need a gun? Yep. So I'd buy her the gun. Mm -hmm. And then like, well, how many spare magazines do you have in there? Well, you need these. Do you have have a tourniquet? Yes. Thank you. Let's get the tourniquet. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude, they're Scattered. Everywhere. I have tourniquets everywhere. Remember when I chest seals? Yes, I've got chest seals in my car, in 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 Lori's car. She doesn't even know all the crazy stuff I she, put in her car. She's like, "Why'd you put a poop bag in here? <laughs> it's a poop bag. It's a chest seal. And you have a sucking chest wound, and you know our seven-year-old seriously, right? Can fix it, huh? I'm, this is what I'm saying. You know what? When you get done, you can say thank you. You burp the chest seal. I mean, come on now. Yeah. Like, like when your kid understands how to burp a chest seal, that's that's a job well done by the father. Remember when I shot myself in the leg? Yes, it's Remember one of the best did, stories ever. And I had to dig the yes the thing out. Yeah, I hand Appy the round, you know, uh-huh. the little uh, the the projectile, the bullet, the tip, whatever the fuck I can't uh-huh. know what it's called. The the it's all mashed up. Yeah, because your calf caught it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's impressive. And so I dig it out and with the the needle nose, and she's like. You know, watching it like, yeah, holy shit, yeah. Did you just shoot yourself? Like, I didn't shoot myself. To be clear, everybody, it was a one-off, <laughs> one in a million, ricochet off some steel targets. You have to tell the story properly. Have you told it previously? No. On the spot, you have to. The, I have told your story to hundreds of my patients. How's the reaction? They love it. Who can't love this story? Do you use my name? Yeah. Uh, no. No, no, no. You're, I say it's my friend. You're I can't, can't, you but can't I say name. it's the coolest story ever. I don't even get credit for it. I, I well, there's HIPAA and everything. That's no, cool. HIPAA and everything. So are you? Will you sign a document and let me use your name? Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. Done. I, it's in. It's, it's, it's such a great story. It is one of the best stories ever. Uh, you tell it, and I'll tell my little part at the end. Okay. So uh, some friends of mine, when I closed down a gym, they all they all. Uh, Went in together and bought me an, an AR-15. And I was super stoked about it, right? And so I got a picture of it. So it was cool, but it was like, hey, it hadn't been delivered yet. So I had to wait. And then um, I finally get it. I go pick it up. And when we're about to head out there, it's hot. And we were going out to our place in Brock. And so it was Abby and I. And, you know, I, I had our ear pro and everything and eye pro. And, and uh, I bought... Had all the rounds, and, and I'd never had an AR-15 before. Um, I've shot plenty of rifles and plenty of guns, but just never one of those. So I had my backpack with my tourniquet and all my, you know, 
stuff that Gear. I would normally right. all my my safety equipment so nobody dies just from uh-huh. normal everyday activities but we're gonna go out and shoot mm-hmm. so of course that's the day that I run off and forget it mm-hmm. I remember it was sitting on the bag and I remember making that statement dude I had a first aid kit in the backpack that's at the house and Abby's like well it's at the house mm-hmm. so we go out there and, and she's in the bed of the truck and she's back in a way kind of shielded because I've got steel targets that I made and they're out like at 40 yards and they're little silhouettes and like little olipop targets and they're out in the middle of this field and I take, I get ready and, and, uh, and using iron sights and then, you know, one, two, three, three shots. And then I hit that fourth. And what had happened was one of those targets had spun. And then the fourth shot just hit just right on the edge of the steel and ricocheted back. And so I shoot. And once I fire that round, my leg kicks back. <laughs> and I was like, what the? So I, I put it on safety and I clear the rifle and I look down and there's like a, a hole in my calf. I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> and Abby looks at me and she's like, did you just shoot yourself? Yeah, I, I think I did. And so there was just a little bit because it's on the inside of my calf. And the whole time I'm like, people have not seen your calves. Like your, your calf is about the size of my thigh and it's just a large cylinder of meat. It's ridiculous. It doesn't, it shouldn't actually be a re, like a calf. It seems like it should have a different name. They're implants. Yeah. That's the name. <laughs> That's what stopped the bullet right there. <laughs> the, yeah. So I look down and, and I look in the hole and it's just kind of trickling blood. I'm like, huh, well, so I put the rifle up and Abby's kind of looking at it and she's like, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I guess I'm going to pull it out. I knew it was probably not a good idea, but I knew this is what I figured. Well, Rambo, right? Right. Yeah. You know, it's so high level medical. So I had my little, like a little Gerber multi-tool that I carry in my pocket, a little Gerber dime that, I mean, this thing is only for like, just, just here, let me fix that keychain for you. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and stuff like highly sterilized. Oh yeah. Yes. I mean, and so I'm like, I stick it in my calf. I think I poured some water on it. In the I, hole. In the hole. Yes. In the meat, because I could see it down in the meat. Mm-hmm. There was this little brass, shiny, little starfish. It looked like a little sticker. Like, it was all... Can we, whoever's never do this, I'm just going to... All of... Pretty much all of this so far, don't do this. And we'll review a little bit more at the end. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so... I'm I'm reaching in the calf and it's in the muscle and it's like I'm sticking it in there and I can see it. It's hot outside and I'm sweating and Abby's like kind of leaning over from the truck. Like she's standing in the truck bed and I'm right by the tailgate and she's looking down just amazed. I hear her like going, whoa, yeah, is that your, is that your muscle? And I'm like, yeah, because <laughs> you know, it was, it left like a, like a dime sized hole, yeah. but it was a, it was I mean, it just kind of like an ugly tear, so it just kind of flapped open. And I stick the uh, the needle nose pliers in there and get it in the meat. Mm-hmm. And then I get a hold of the uh, the the round. And so I'm pulling it out, and it and it slips and click, click, and it keeps slipping and popping off of it. I was like, well, this shit isn't going to work. So I went into my tool bag and pulled out my big needle nose, like my Klein needle nose pliers. Yeah, those are the best for removing bullets. They work. And so, clearly, here I am, sir. (laughs) And so I wiped it off. And uh, 
And I stuck that in there and I had to get in there deep mm -hmm. and I grabbed it and I pull it. I'm like, damn, that's, that's tender. That's serious. That's tender. The yeah. shock's starting to wear off, but my daughter's watching. So I can't, <laughs> you can't that. stop now. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm pulling and as I'm pulling, it's not just sliding out. It's not like pulling it. No, out. not at all. I mean, it's, it's, it's like a broadhead or some shit being inside your piece of shrapnel, you know? And so I'm pulling it and I can feel the muscle kind of, and I'm watching it kind of. Yeah. It's like spasms. It has like a suction to it. Yeah. And it's, and it's, I can see the muscle, all the fibers pulling, pulling away. It, and it, just, yeah. it was almost like tearing Velcro apart. Yeah. And so finally I just, and it, and it comes out. I'm like, Oh, thank God. And so, <laughs> thank God. So I'm holding it. And, uh, yeah, it was a pretty, it was a pretty cool moment because I'm like, fuck yeah. That, 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 like, that, she's yeah. like, holy shit. You heard she was like, shit. She's like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Dude, it hurt. I'm like, it was a little sore. Uh huh. And so uh, she's like, let me see it. I'm like, well, well, don't drop it, okay? So here, and so I put it in her hand. Uh -huh. and we look at it, and I'm like, well, I'll put it in the cup holder, and then we'll get going. And she's like, well, can we still go fishing? No. Like yeah, you selfish little monster. We can go fishing. So did the, you go fishing? Yeah. Really? So I got this little. I didn't even know that. So I got this little trickle of blood coming out, and right where we sh were shooting, uh -huh. right there was the stock pond. You know, I'm sure the fishing was going to be great after mm -hmm. all that. And uh, we went up there, and, and it was really muddy, and we cast a couple of times, and and uh, I was like, ah, we should probably go. Something, maybe. Maybe we ought to get back maybe. home because we were 40 miles from home. Sure. And I get in the truck and I realize there's no cell reception. And then, and then the panic starts to hit because it's like, holy shit. Yeah. If something could have happened to me, she would have been stuck out here. And then I just kind of brush it off. You talk about worrying about shit that mm -hmm. you didn't used to worry about. Mm -hmm. So we go home and, uh, I stop at, at, uh, Eckerd's, not Eckerd's, CVS, I still call it Eckerd's mm -hmm. and, and get some, uh, contact solution, some saline solution, two of the big bottles and, I don't know, some bandages and sat in my driveway while Abby was out there playing with all the neighbor kids on the bikes and they'd come over and look and I was irrigating the, the wound because I'd just stick it in there and sure. squirt all the saline in there and flush everything out. Well, of course, that's, yeah. and that's, I mean, that's what they do. No, that's, what, that's what everybody I does. I saw some shit like that. Yeah, in the hot, yeah. I mean, yeah. And then the next day I went to the care clinic to make sure. Um, Not dying? Make sure, yeah, I wasn't dying. Yeah. But they, they x-rayed it. And no, was, was there any more? And that was when I, you know that other spot I got on the back of my leg? Yeah. The no-no spot? Yeah. Oh, you don't fucking touch. Uh -huh. don't, don't touch that spot. Yeah. Because you were kind of curious, like, I wonder if there's still some shit in there from that accident. Right. Well, I talked the dude into x-raying them both, and there's good. Huh. That's good. So, got two for one. This, this, this is what I say, right, with this story. I tell them all that. I go, my friend, he shot himself directly in the leg. There was a hole. He took his, I say Leatherman, usually like the, That's the fine. tweezers, the, the needle, nose. Blunt needle nose, pulls it out. It's, it's the most, it's the best case scenario. It is the, it's the most amazing story, but never, ever do that again. Please, sure. please Ryan. Because like the bullet could have been plugging an artery. And you pulling that, you could have bled out right there. So the, the femoral artery runs down right there, doesn't it? Not, it? not in the cab. It's something through the thigh, the upper thigh through there. But yeah, like, but it could have been stopping you from bleeding. And you pulling it out 
you completely could have bled out in a minute or a minute and a half ish. Thanks for trashing my story there, Sam. Just Sam. Ta- this is what I'm saying, <laughs> though. Like, but it's still the most the it's the best story. So you can't get a more manly story than that. I think. Well, dude, you shot yourself. You pulled the bullet out on your own with needle nose pliers. You washed it out with saline from CVS, and then you put a piece of gauze on it, and you just went on about your way. Yeah, that's it. Sounds that's cool. When pretty you say badass. It. That's pretty badass. Okay. And in front of your daughter. Yeah. That's you know. I'm telling you, it's other than the bullet in your leg, it was all win. Hmm. All win. Definitely the coolest story I have. <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna say it's the coolest manliest story. Um I'm I've n- I've yet to hear one of people that I actually know that has a better story than that. Okay. Yeah. Without question, you win. Okay, I'll take yeah. that one. Yeah. I'll, yeah. Run with it. So if any of you guys have a better story, post it on our page or email me. I'd love to hear it. Oh, my God. I'd love to read them. That'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. So you talk about being scared. Um, for the next two or three weeks, I'd be laying down to go to sleep. And just as I was going to doze off, that round would hit Abby. Oh, yeah. Or... I would get all the way through the magazine and turn around and grab another one, and she was laid out, dead. Yeah. Just shit like that running through my head. Right. And I'd wake up like, what the fuck is that? And just in a panic. And then I'd tell my wife about it, and she's like, oh, um, well, she's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go back to sleep. This stuff like that. Just, mm-hmm. So, and, and I remember, um, like, I never cared about this stuff. Like, like gory yeah. videos on YouTube. Yeah. People, like, losing a hand. I'm like, ha-ha, dumbass. That's why you don't put your hand there. That's why there's a guard. Sure. That's why you don't mess with alligators. You know? Getting bit. I love watching people getting bit by snakes. Lots of YouTube videos on that. I'm laughing. It's great. It's always white people, too, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's always white guys that wrestle the alligators and the crocodiles. Yeah. I, 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 exclusively, I think. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well. So, but I would be dozing off. And just would have a dream or a thought of like Abby getting hit by a car. Yeah. Just random shit. Did you have stuff like that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I get this thing where it, I'm way better at it now, but as the kids started getting a little bit older and they would be like down the block, you know, playing with their buddies in their backyard doing kickball or something, there's that first initial few years of that comfort level being tested. You know, where they're not directly in front of you, like mm-hmm. you're used to them having. And it's like, okay, so where are they? Like, I'd come home from work, and they're down the block. I'm like, so I'd start to be kind of a jerk to Lori. I'm like, are you sure they're down the have, When's the last time you actually, like, saw them or spoke to them? And she'd be like, Brian, it was like 10 minutes ago. Immediately, I'm like, well, they're being raped, obviously. Right. Uh, you haven't checked in They're 10 minutes yeah right now. without question uh, negligent monster <laughs> sex trafficking a white van I I've, it's all being played in my head Be, now I'm better at it but it took me quite a while to kind of start to just kind of shake all that off and start to digest that bad things don't have to happen they could happen they they more than likely will happen just haven't yet that's how my brain works <clears throat> so you know and mind you that she's had them for eight hours yeah and she's oh, yeah. probably she's like, like no no don't go, make them come hey, back if yeah. someone tries to rape you just scream yes. really loud you know okay? uh, we all have our things mom needs a break mm-hmm. 
So she I'll deserves have, it. Abby and I'll be walking through a parking lot or something, and it, and it's like we'll see young girls on their phone, right? Oh, Walking yeah. through yeah. Central Market parking lot on their phone. Mm-hmm. And I used to, then I realized I can't really do this because of the way I look, you know, but I would see women of all ages on their phone. Yeah. Day, night, but, you know, I would notice it the most at night. They're looking at their phone, which is... Not being aware of their environment. Impairing their night vision. Right. You know, I mean, it's, 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 it's absurd. I mean, it it scares me for our society, Mm -hmm. you know, but they're walking. They're not looking where they're going. And anybody at any moment could grab them. Mm -hmm. And I tell Abby this, you know, because there was times when I wanted to just walk up and like just tug on somebody's purse Mm -hmm. and then just chew their ass about it. Like, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? But I can't do that. Look up. Look around you. I could have raped you. (laughs) (laughs) Good intentions, bad delivery. Oh, my God. So this... This little girl, this, this, I got rear-ended on 820 mm-hmm. up in the north side where it's all traffic and it's just, it's just terrible. And I was picking Abby up and bringing her home and it was dark. It was nothing but, I mean, it was just like, just to see a brake lights and it was late and I get rear-ended in my truck. Well, it didn't hurt my truck, but we're not going to stop in the middle of all that. I'm not going to be that guy. Sure. So I immediately get off and exit. And while well, we exited right there at like Mark four Parkway and there's some, um, there's like just some buildings down there, some old office buildings and stuff, and it's pretty dimly lit. I didn't even think about it, and I just pulled right in that parking lot. I've got Abby in the back, this like red, I don't know, like a Volvo car pulls up kind of behind me, and I get out of the truck, and you know I'm in my work clothes and everything, and probably smelling pretty rough and looking pretty rough, and this this beautiful little blonde pops out of the car and she looked like she was 17, 18 years old. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I mean like big baggy Mm t-shirt and can't see her shorts and that whole, yeah. That whole college. You look like you could just blow her over. I mean, Mm -hmm. she was so dainty and, uh, she's like, ha ha ha, I'm so sorry. And just, you could tell she was a little freaked out. Right. So I look at my, and she had her phone in her hand still. So I'm thinking she was probably messing with her phone and rear ended me. It's not a big deal. Um, it is a big deal, but it wasn't that night. Right. So, hey, man, you know, my car's fine. Don't worry about mine. Yours is a little messed up. We don't need to exchange insurance. Just, I said, are you on your dad's insurance? She said, yeah. And, you know, kind of smiled and was like, well, just here's my card. If he needs anything, tell him to call me, but I'm not going to file it. Y'all take care of it. I'm good. And she's like, all right, cool. And I said, that's kind of how you handle stuff like that, unless it's really bad or they're trying to be a jerk. She's like, all right. And then I like raised my voice. I was like, and don't ever pull into a parking lot again. What is wrong with you? Like, you could have been abducted. The, look how I can barely even see. You can't see anything. Like, right. there could have been four guys in this car just waiting. You, you don't know. And I was like, it's my bad. I should have pulled under some streetlights. But I wasn't worried about it because I'm not thinking about it. But you need to protect yourself. You need to tell your dad that, too. Like, don't do that shit again. And she's like, uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I'm like, fuck you. Kids, get out of here. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? Saving the world. And then so Abby has got the window down and listening to, <laughs> listening to me. And I get in the car and I feel like an old man. Oh, yeah. At oh, the yeah. Moment. Like completely justified in my irritation. Like, goddamn kids. And Abby's like, well, you might have scared her more than... <laughs> <laughs> but that's what will make it stick. 
she'll remember. Next time. You're going to learn. Absolutely. Well, she will not do that again, I promise. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite quality about your kids that they got from you? And what's your favorite quality about your kids they got from Lori? They got Lori's compassion, you know, like they're, they're both very thoughtful and that's how Lori is. She's, she has the ability to look at situations and from multiple perspectives very quickly and be able to put herself in another person's shoes really well. I can't, I, I think I'm good at it, but nowhere near as good as she is. And I think that that's a quality that society is lacking drastically and more and more is just the ability to think outside of yourself. And I think the boys are, are getting better and better and have that already in spades more than most. Um, for me, I think they're getting, they're very sarcastic and very observant. Like I, I notice a lot of things Lori says all the time and I'm very, I wouldn't say OCD, but particular stuff really irks me and it'll get me all fired up. And like Finn, he cracked me up because we were eating dinner this one night uh, at a restaurant and he leans in and he goes, Hey dad, he goes, see the light fixture above our table? Oh yeah. He goes, see how that one bulb is a different color than the other bulbs. And he just smacked me on the leg. He goes, enjoy your night. (laughs) (laughs) Diabolical. Totally knew that that would start to drive me nuts. And it's, it, like, that was some of those weird little moments that totally stick where it's just like, oh, my God, he's like a person. Like, you know, he's like, he's looking and thinking of these. It's just, it, I was thrilled by it. Cause, and then, I, of course, I started obsessing, and I'm thinking, like, who pulled out the ladder, went up there, changed that light bulb, and was getting down. I was like, yeah, that's good. That'll do. What the hell is that about? That is. You like, literally I'm, had one job. That's all that it was required. Like, obviously, that's not the right light bulb. Why are you? Why do you just go on with your day? So he knows me very well, and uh, yeah, it, uh, that that's a lot of fun. That's some of the most fun things. Or just when they pick up and I see how observant they are of, of all that. It's it's hilarious. You know when they start developing a personality? Yeah. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's like you're kind of annoying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes the I noticed the boys at least with video games, like they love talking about video, not just playing video games, but then they want to discuss video games with me, and I have to feign interest because if they want to talk with me, I love, I want to hear what they have to say. But they're just giving me all these layers of this new update for Minecraft that allows you to be in the water and how there's octopi and you can break up coral and I'm I'm getting like nauseous and lightheaded and it's I'm starting to get sick to my stomach because I so don't care and I just want to scream how much I don't care and how this is pointless no evidently I I kind of freak out and I do in small mild very uh minor ways but it's hard it's just so hard to control myself like the the funny thing at least with the boys is that they're not talkative like just like I was as a kid but you have to find the times when they are talkative and they tend to talk when they're alone in the car yeah they'll actually start talking so I love take I'll purposefully take each one of them to go run errands just one at a time because it'll get them talking and I love that and then we're like 
bad parents because we still lay down with them until they fall asleep. But that's awesome talking time. Like, it's quiet. You're just laying there, little night lights on, and they'll start asking. One of the neighbor kids totally uh, taught both the boys all the swear words. All of them. All of them? All of them. Just dumped them on both the kids in, in like, one fell swoop. Just, like, one sentence, or he gave them a list? Just a list. Like, just, okay, well, there's this, and there's this, and there's this. So then that night, like, that was hilarious. I was so tired. I wanted to just go to bed. I wasn't going to lie down with him, but I'm so thrilled that I laid down because he goes, he goes, Dad, what's a ditch? I'm like, a ditch. What, is this, like, a swear word? He goes, yeah. He goes, what's a ditch? I go, oh, you got it wrong. It's a B. I go, I'm going to explain these. There's the technical concept and then there's how people will tend to use it when they're trying to use it in like a you know bad word way so i actually went through all of them he then asked me every single one of them (laughs) and it i tried to hit that vibe between acting like it's no big deal but then also being like but buddy we don't talk like that but i'm not gonna lie to him and not tell him that i don't know or give him something but i just kind of acted like i'm just defining any other word but in my brain, I'm dying laughing because just hearing my little guy asking about what is a dick and what's that mean? I go, well, that's another name. Oh, he he thought that the word shit was hilarious because it's another name for poop. He goes, that's poop? I go, yeah, shit means poop. He goes, oh, he couldn't stop laughing. He thought it was hilarious. Oh, Dad, I got shit. He goes, shit means poop. He goes, there's lots of names for poop. I go, I know there's lots of names for penis. There's there's, there's, yeah. <laughs> but that was great. That was, that, was, that was amazing the other night. But how cool, you know, because it, people cuss. And, yeah. And, I, and I'm a big believer that um, cuss words don't offend me. Right. I think that, you know, there's a time and a place for everything. Yeah. I'm not going to go dropping F-bombs in front of my mother-in-law because I respect her, her views. Right. But I also don't think I'm going to go to hell because I said fuck. <laughs> Very well put. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. So, like with Abby, I try not to cuss around her. Uh-huh. There, like up to a certain point, I wouldn't say any cuss words around her. And I, I mean, was, I was holding a good because I cuss a lot. Right. Oh, and, yeah. and I'm a passionate guy. And I, 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 my stories need to be animated, and we need a lot of it's, words. It's, to, it's like salt and seasoning for a story. My God, absolutely. You color a picture with yeah. that primary color. Just go fuck yourself. <laughs> how do you, how do you make a sky it's, without it's, blue? It's needed. It's needed sometimes. So, you know, I had a good, I had a good streak going, mm-hmm. and she'll tell you the first time she heard it. Really? Uh, we were up in Colorado for the Leadville, and it was mm-hmm. the morning of the race, and. Uh, I had everything laid out because you got to get up at like, you know, also because we're about an hour away and you got to be there at the starting line at like 530 or some shit. So we had to get up at three or three thirty and we're in a hotel. And with that, I want to say I no longer turn any kind of events I'm doing into a vacation because that's unfair for them. All right. Yeah. yeah I'm just I'm going to put that out there and that was the last one. And it didn't even take my wife saying we're never doing that again. I just kind of looked You just could feel the vibe. Yeah. I just looked back and looked at all this. I was like that wasn't any fun for them. <laughs> or me. You right. Know? Yeah. Well, then you're worried about them the whole time and instead of focusing yeah. on what you're doing, yeah. So um I get up and everything's laid out and my hydration pack, I didn't close the the little bite valve and it fell over and opened itself up and so just everything got drenched everything and it's cold you know because we were starting at like 11.5 I think Leadville is 
and it was cold. Even though it was during the summer, it was cold. And I woke up and I was like, well, motherfucker. <laughs> God damn. And I just, and Abby, you know, I'll never forget. She's sitting there just like, oh, you know, yeah. holding her blanket and her little piggy and just looking at me like, what? Oh, yeah. She will tell you that story to this day. Hey, remember, Dad, remember when you said the F word? Yeah. Because of the. I remember the first time my mom ever said it. Uh-huh. I mean, those are, those are big time. Yeah. You're like it, that gets etched. It's oh, it's it's a big She's deal. A human. Yes, totally. It's like seeing your teacher out in public. Remember the, how weird that was? It's like, wait, you're a person We're seeing who your does naked. things. Oh. <laughs> wait, not the same. I, I bobbed and I bobbed and weaved on this sound. Thank God. <laughs> Why does it look like that? <laughs> so, I'm sorry. What uh, teacher in public? Yeah, that's. I mean, you did such a good job because you validated it. You didn't like mm-hmm. pretend that he was like mm-hmm. crazy, mm-hmm. or you're like, nah, man. And being very matter of fact, but not like, but but Jesus doesn't like that, so don't say that shit, you know, or, or whatever, you know. You just like, hey, yeah, this is this is the word. This is how you use it, right? And but we don't talk like that. Yes, I just kept cycling back. It's like those those are words. A lot of people use them, but we're not going to talk like that. When you get older, you can decide to, to use those words as you see fit. That's what I tell Abby. Yeah. They're adult words. Mm-hmm. When you find yourself in adult situations, like at work. The, just just nice little salt and pepper. It's, it's a seasoning of life. It's beautiful. Okay. So you said all that. I hope you don't mind. I, hmm. and I didn't do it. I had my wife email your wife. Text your wife. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it'd be appropriate if I did it, so I didn't do it. To ask her some questions. You want to hear the answers? Sure. Heck yeah. All right. <clears throat> so what she asked her was, uh, basically it was like, hey, Brian's going to be on Ryan's podcast. Uh-huh. And um, uh, we know how terrible he is at talking good about himself. <laughs> Or uh, taking compliments. Uh-huh. So why don't you give us some? And uh, her response was, and then, you know, basically like I had some questions for. Sure. And they'll, they'll, they'll pop up as we're going through this. You ready? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. You may turn your um, mic off so you can kind of yeah. process it. Yeah. Just kind of zoom. And, yeah. Just kind of pull it in. I'll just shove it down real far. Think about all the good, all the, all the, how much you help people while you're listening to this. <laughs> Just pack it down, turn it into a tumor later. Okay, this is a bit long, but I hit the husband jackpot, so it's difficult not to gush. Mm -hmm. Damn right. All right. For what are you most proud of him? She wrote, his accomplishments in his career, moving across the country, knowing no one except my family and me, starting a new practice with mounds of student loan debt, Creating an entirely unheard of model of chiropractic practice and building trust in relationships with his with his patients so much so that he needs two additional doctors in his practice just to meet the needs of all the patients who want to be seen by him. That's fact. I know that for fact. Getting up every single day before the sun rises to make a better health care practice for his patients and to build an office where his staff enjoy enjoys coming to work. Absolutely never being satisfied with the way things are and busting his rear to make them better. And then the other question was, what are his best attributes as a dad? Brian always puts the needs of his family first. He will make any personal sacrifice if it means building upon the character of our children. 
He is determined to help raise strong, responsible, hardworking, self-reliant, kind, educated men who accept responsibility for every action he models. This behavior every, he models this behavior every day, and I'm so grateful my children have him as an example. How does he amaze you, or how does he stand apart from other men? She said, a lot of men say, say they love their families and make great sacrifices for them. I don't doubt that. However, what sets Brian apart are his everyday actions. There has, quite literally, never been a day that I've worked at the office that some or many patients didn't come out of the room with him and tell me how respectfully he speaks about me and our boys. They are excited to meet the person Brian showers with adoration and compliments. How many women know for sure that when they are not around, their husband is covering them and their family in praise and respect? He is not only kind, generous, and loving to us when he is with us, but he is telling his patients how wonderful it is to be married and how fulfilling having children is when we're not around. He treats me as his equal and his partner in every aspect of our lives. He never makes a decision without asking my uh, opinion and my input. I've never once in our marriage felt alone or distant from him as he strives to bring me alongside of his every move. And that's just you being you. You don't even have to try. Or what? No, I, I'm sorry. That takes away. You do have to try. I think I went and I saw a therapist <laughs> due to some of my anxiety. Cool. Right. And it was anxiety because my younger one is very passionate about everything. He's just all emotion, and he's amazing. Uh, but I, he, he put it in a really interesting way. He goes, I tend to over-prepare. Like, my, anxi- my anxiety is about not... I don't want to miss something and then have to regret it later. Like, I could have done something better. He goes, well, Brian, he go, and he put it in a really interesting way. He goes... You're sacrificing the safety that you're trying to create and this lack of regret is at the expense of all this anxiety that you have all the time. He goes, so you know, like Lori and I talk about this all the time with the kids is that when they get older and they leave the house, our goal is to not wish that we had more time with them in that we know we took every bit of time with them and made the most out of it Mm -hmm. you know if one of them ends up going crazy and is in a clock tower picking people off in all honesty i know it's not because of anything i didn't try to do that's on him like there's no point at which i made a decision that i wasn't putting that goofball first if you decide to go do this i'm honestly not gonna i'm gonna feel horrible for the situation but i'm not gonna feel like it's on me and it's like man i swear to god Whatever we were told or whatever we thought was the right thing at the moment, that's exactly what we did the whole time. So it that feels good. It feels good to know that if I'm aware of a way that I could do something better, that I've up to this point been able to, to, to make that happen. That's intense, man. Sorry, buddy. Nah. <laughs> you got to do that. I'm going to do that for you sometime. That's a, that's 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 amazing. Kind of makes it uh feels good. I hope it feels good. I read that and I felt good uh, just being your friend. Yeah, 
you just don't know if you're doing the right stuff, you know? Yeah. Like, you think you are, you're trying, and you hope that the other people know that you're trying. And you just don't know if it's sticking or if you're messing up everything else in other ways. It's kind of superseding the good things you're doing, you know? But she's just she's just an amazing person just across the board. So I, I don't know. I just, thank God, I just didn't give up, and I kept stalking her until I just... She settled, and I'm, I'm thrilled about it. Thank you, Dawson. I know, right? See? <laughs> Smash the friend zone. Yeah. Crush my way out. Brother, if anybody is in the DFW area and has an ache or a pain or a cramp, or they've got something that doesn't... <laughs> you know, I got this I got this shoulder thing, mm-hmm. but you don't know where you got the shoulder thing, sure. and you never got shot in the shoulder, so there was never, <laughs> there was never any... You just developed you, you just you gave them the whole protocol for what you do if you're shot. So just just kind of run that. And what not to do. <laughs> or that. Or that. Um, they need to go see you. What y'all's what's your website? Uh, activespineandsport.com. So and is spelled out and sport is singular. But just look at the information there. Uh, be happy to answer any of your questions and if you you need something else we'll tell you about it. Y'all have three doctors on staff now, mm-hmm. a massage therapist, and then... Uh, assisted yoga. Assisted yoga. Yeah, so there's myself, there's Brian Hapka, uh, and then Jason Hill. We're the three main uh, providers. And then Karen, she does massage. She's amazing. And then uh, Angela Smeda, she does assisted yoga. So it's I call it lazy man's yoga. People love it. So she just grabs you and wraps your leg around your head for a while and feel better when you're done. Yeah, she's got that whole mom thing going for her. Mm-hmm. So, like, she just, you know, okay, scoot over on your honey. I'm going to push this until it makes you cry. Yeah. She's she's unbelievably sweet, except for what she's actually doing to you while she's stretching you. So it makes up for it. But, yeah, she does, she does a great job. Um, what's one little piece of advice you can give to young dads? When the baby first comes, this is something I wish someone would have told me. When the baby first comes... In all the movies and everything, there's this swelling music, you know, as you hold your child for the first time. I didn't, I didn't get any of that, in really? all honesty. Like, I held my kid, and I love my boys, and I love this situation. But what I noticed is, at first, I had a hard time bonding with the baby because babies can't even focus on you. They're not even looking at you. They don't interact with you. They're just kind of a weird like a sandbag they're just wherever they are it was just it's weird it's a weird feeling but you watch the mom and then the mom can feed the baby mm-hmm. and as they feed they develop that crazy amazing relationship and it starts to make you feel on the outside to a degree mm-hmm. once you hit about month three is when the baby starts to focus on you and smile and laugh like that's when all the music and everything starts usually like for like I, of course I love my child but it wasn't until like that and it's like oh my god thank god I thought I was a sociopath because I of course I have this love for my child but I didn't get it right and it's like I don't I don't I mean this click. is nice it isn't bad oh this is great I will do anything for my baby but I don't understand what everybody's talking about but as soon as that kid smiles and <laughs> starts laughing it's like uh, oh, okay. That's it. That's what everybody's been talking about. Got it. And it just keeps getting better and better. And it, it's 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 a blast just to watch them start to 
the, one of the best things is like when you say things over and over and over again, and then you see that one of the 20,000 things that you've said a million times stuck. Like there's that book, Way of the Warrior Kid. Mm-hmm. Abby's got it. Man, that is the best book. Absolutely. Any young dad should get that book for their kids as they get a little bit older, like six and above or so, and just kind of read it with them. Was it Jocko Willink that mm-hmm. wrote that? Yes. Oh, my God. I bought like 30 copies, and I just hand them out at the office. Yeah. They're, what I hate about most of media and TV shows and books and movies for kids is that it's you're a special you're special. You're just amazingly special. You just haven't realized your specialness just yet. And once you do, amazing powers will be bestowed upon you. The world will open up and all these wonderful... It, I hate the whole thing. I'll per, My kids will see me. I'll pause the movie frequently if we're watching something stupid. I'll go, none of this is real. You don't just get stuff. Do you guys understand? They go, I know, Dad. You know, it gets through hard work and discipline. 10,000 hours. Yeah. 10,000 hours. Totally. How many times have you said shit like that? <laughs> oh, my God. They're so... They have to be frustrated with me. But I love that book because that, that way of the warrior kid, it's... You stink at everything at first. And it's okay to stink because you're supposed to because you haven't done anything yet. Start to work hard. When you work hard, that's when good things will happen. So, like, the one thing I want to bestow and get the kids into is just understanding that just put your head down, put in the time, put in the work, the good stuff's after that. Be patient. Yes. Don't don't expect good stuff first. Good stuff comes after hard work. Right on. Man, I really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, man. Thanks for having me. Bye. Well, thank you guys for listening. And ladies, thank you for listening to the Circle of Dads podcast. Uh, thank you, Dr. Brian Mulhall, for taking the time away from his family to come out and interview with me. You do not have to be perfect, but you do have to be present. Love runs downhill. We chase those kids until the day we die. Thanks. Thanks.